0: Hey, this is Alia Ballas, and I am a victim of the 2020 lockdown. All joking aside, I just want to hang, and I've heard a lot of people saying the same, and sometimes with people who I don't even know. And as we've come to realize, that is not okay during a pandemic. Even though we can't meet in person, doesn't mean we can't get outside of our bubble. This is about learning new things, stepping outside, and all while staying home. Just because we can't hang, there still can't hang. This week on Can't Hang, I hang with Christy Sumer, the founder and CEO of sustainable and Canadian-made clothing brand Encircled. After working in many different fields and traveling a lot for work, Christy discovered a way in which she could streamline women's clothing to make it more efficient and stylish, especially for those who are traveling. She then began her company, but I'll let her tell the rest of this story. And now it is my pleasure to introduce you to Christy Sumer. Okay, so this week, a big welcome to Christy. So welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. So it's obviously great to have you, not only because uh, you're the founder of a great fashion brand, which is always what I love, um, but also because you're a Western alumni. So it is a very good day here in my world today.
1: <laughs> yes, I went to both Western and Queens and I wouldn't oh. pick a favorite, but I will tell you Western was a little bit more fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can't pick a favorite. That's just asking for uh, for bad on both sides. So, um, but I guess, so you have this company encircled uh which is is really making the rounds uh in Canada it's it's sustainable it's great it's so fashionable I love um the jogger sets and all that um so what did you kind of do pre-encircled what what kind of
1: start did you have to your business career? Yeah. So even at the time when I was at Western, I really wanted to be a management consultant. That was always Mm -hmm. my goal. I just thought it was such a cool career. And I remember flipping through those career books that they have where like Mm -hmm. jobs you can Mm -hmm. get when you graduate. And it just sounded so exciting. But um, unfortunately, like coming out of Western, like jobs were like super competitive and Mm -hmm. I had a lot of trouble actually getting my first job. And I ended up working for a retailer called Licenza, who's a Mm -hmm. lingerie brand who got bought by Victoria's Secret, I think maybe about 10, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, So I started my career in their operations office doing all their like in-store incentives and stuff like that. And then bounced around to like just a bunch of different kind of consumer products. I worked at um, Colgate Palmolive and brand management after I finished my MBA at Queens. Um, So I never really got into consulting actually to my dream job, quote unquote, (laughs) until um, just by chance, uh, somebody I worked with at my first job at La Senza was working at PricewaterhouseCoopers and he was looking for a retail consultant So this like full circle moment happened where (laughs) he was like, I know, you know, retail, we've got a great opening. I know you've always wanted to get in consulting. Would you be interested? And it was honestly one of the easiest job interviews I've ever had. And it just all came together. And so I made my way into that, my dream job, I guess, at that point.
0: Mm -hmm. So Obviously, I know a couple of people that are kind of obviously. I think you graduated also into a recession, if I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, people my age that just graduated too, uh, kind of a similar situation. So it is tough. And I know a couple of people that are trying to get into consulting as well. Um, so would you kind of say that you, once you got into consulting, that it was still your dream job, or
1: um, or did you like it, or <laughs> what yeah. kind of happened then? Yeah. So, I mean, for those listening who feel like, you know, they're having trouble getting into that dream job, I always just say, take the opportunity that you can um, when you get it. So my, my job in consumer packaged goods that I just randomly got at Queens through like one of the professor's daughters worked there and okay. she posted it on the job board. And that, even though it was not my dream job, I learned so much that was extremely valuable when I did become a consultant. So, mm-hmm. um, I always just tell people to kind of keep going cause you're always going to learn something from every opportunity. Um, and yeah, graduating out of a recession <laughs> when they cut hiring budgets in 2000 and I think it was 2008. Um, not the best time to get a job, <laughs> but you know, we made it happen. Yeah. So, for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was my dream job initially. I really found it super exciting. I was traveling all the time. I was on airplanes, you know, you'd get to upgrade into first class, you'd be in the lounges. It was like racking up all these airline points. (laughs) And then, um, really it started to become a little bit more exhausting just as it wore on, just because of all the travel I was flying about a hundred thousand miles a year. I was working like, you know, 60, 70, 90 hours a week. Um, I really loved what I did But I felt like it was a little also out of alignment with my values as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've always been really passionate about sustainability and ethics has always been really um, integral to who I am as a person. And I found Mm -hmm. that just working in some of the environments that I was in, there was just a higher priority put on like cost optimization and, you know, making money. And Mm -hmm. I really wanted to be part of something, you know, a brand that felt good from the inside out.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's a big um, touch point. I mean, maybe not at the time, but I think it's coming a bit more to the forefront now um, with like uh, like people over profits is like obviously one of those like taglines these mm-hmm. days, um, which sounds so like cheesy or whatever, but I, I couldn't agree more. Like it's just until you're kind of in those situations, I guess, when you're at schools like Westerns or Queens or whatever, whatever school really, but um, you're kind of like always in my perspective, like, oh, if I work at this big company or if I work at this huge brand or whatever, then that's like where it's at. But um, yeah, I think that's a thing for some people that, you know, it really doesn't align with values. So good for you for looking at that. (laughs) Um, But so I guess you're traveling and you kind of come up with the idea for your first product, if I'm not wrong, the chrysalis. Cardi. Is that what it's called? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you kind of come up with like the ideation? Like where was this thought born from?
1: So this thought was born from just pure frustration. I was Mm -hmm. taking, I had I've, in consulting, there's something called being on. They call it being on the beach or being on the bench, and it basically means you're not assigned to a client, so you don't really okay. have any real work to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you're supposed to still go to like the office and people. <laughs> That's you so weird. <laughs> but it's like quite boring, and you're not yeah. really being utilized effectively, and it feels weird. So I had hit this point where I was on beach slash bench. And my friend, um, texted me and she's like, I'm going on a yoga retreat. They have a spot that just opened up. Do you want to come? And I'm like, well, I just started this job like a year and a half ago. (laughs) Like, I feel like weird take you vacation, but I was like, what Mm the heck I'll ask. And they're like, well, you're not uh, on a client for sure. You can go. So it was literally, I had to book a flight. It was leaving like, like a day later or something like that crazy. And I'd never Mm -hmm. been on a yoga retreat. I'd done yoga, but I'd never been on a retreat. So I started packing uh, my suitcase, like the night before, and it was this gigantic, like thirty-inch suitcase. And I was throwing <laughs> all this stuff in, and I wasn't even paying attention to what I was bringing. And then I did it all up, and the literally the zipper broke, like it ripped open to oh that way. You know when you have a jacket and it like splits, mm, yeah. And you're like, uh,
0: this is <laughs> Stress level uh, one thousand.
1: Yeah, it was awful. So I had to put everything into a smaller bag, like a carry-on. And so I started to really question what I was bringing and why. And that was really the moment that I thought about the idea of the Chrysalis Cardi because I was wondering like why I needed like a dress and a scarf and a cardigan. I was only going to wear the cardigan on the plane because it was chilly. Like what if I mm-hmm. had a couple of pieces that would like transition into different um, silhouettes and styles really easily. So I started mm-hmm. playing around with this like circle scarf I had and seeing if I could like make it into other ideas and I could, but it looked really crappily. Like it was just, Mm -hmm, the fabric was see-through, like it wasn't finished properly. You had to tie it. So it looked like a sack. So I was like, there's gotta be a way to do this better. And that was really the spark that started me down that whole path of essentially becoming a fashion designer.
0: Mm -hmm. No, that's so cool because I also had another, actually another fellow Western um, girl and she like said the same thing. Like it was just something like so simple. She created mm-hmm. like a hair strong. So it's um, like scrunchies for working out. Um, and it just like something so simple, like if you just like look at your like day to day life, and it, I guess for some people, it probably comes like easier, like finding problems um, and finding solutions to them. But, you know, like the simplest things can just be so effective. And I, I feel like that's like the epitome of uh, of that story, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, But obviously, so you're going to start this company. So I guess, do you start it right away? Or like, is it kind of like a you develop it and then kind of wait some time or like did it take a long time for you to kind of go from like the
1: idea to like the actual like go time Totally. Yeah. So <laughs> firstly, I had no idea what I was doing, making a product. So mm-hmm. it's actually a fashion product. I have no experience. I have a, you know, I, I did the bachelor of administrative commercial studies. I have an MBA, so I can't mm-hmm. even. So, um, so that whole process was just like, it probably took me from the time I had the idea to actually having a finished product made probably about nine months, um, mm-hmm. maybe about that. And then that's when I would have launched the brand. And then when I actually, quit my job. That was like basically two years after I launched the company. So oh, wow. it was a bit of a process. And the the hardest part of the beginning was just figuring out how to get the product made and then finding somebody who would actually make it because mm-hmm. most people thought I was out of my mind with this product because to describe it, it's basically like a big circle scarf that made out of this beautiful, soft, like Modal fabric, which is from beach um, tree pulp. And it's like really drapey. And then it has these hand-sewn snaps on the hemline, which when you snap them together in different configurations, it turns it into like a dress or a tunic or one shoulder gown. Um, okay. and so a lot of the manufacturers I went to in Toronto that were even finding a manufacturer was difficult in Toronto. But when I went to them, they thought I was like really off my rocker. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it took me a really long time to figure that out and then find the materials and then develop I developed the pattern like it was just a lot of learning um and testing things and like I guess iteration of the product until Mm -hmm. I was able to get it to the stage where I felt confident with it and then I could launch with it and obviously that's already like a difficult process um for anyone not to mention like that
0: you're trying to make it like sustainable and kind of local and that's just like a whole other aspect that like Mm -hmm. would make things so much more difficult because I, I imagine it would have been like slightly easier to just like take a manufacturer from um, like a different country or like from Asia or whatever um, to make this product and, and make it cheaper and all that. But that wasn't really like in line with your values as I understand.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was really important for me to make it locally because i wanted to be really close to the manufacturers and have a great relationship with them and i wanted mm-hmm. to be able to see the workplaces mm-hmm. myself and i knew i couldn't take time off work to fly to you know china to visit factories and stuff like that and i would I, like that was just rebuilding a whole supply chain so i thought mm-hmm. you know build you know make it local i knew that the apparel industry here had been hard hit like by in the 90s by the duty laws changing but i knew there was still some apparel manufacturing here because canada goose was making jackets here and stuff like mm-hmm. that so i knew it's still existed. Um, And I wanted to be a part of that revival because I was starting to definitely, and this is quite a while back, but I was still starting to see that bubbling up of like people really interested in, you know, local food and all that kind of stuff. So I -hmm. I just thought to myself that at some point people are going to be really interested in where their products are made as well uh, from an apparel standpoint too.
0: Yeah. And I think right now where we are, um, especially because like exacerbated by the pandemic, I would say um, in my own opinion, people are very conscious of that right now, not only because of like accessibility, like being able to get your product that you ordered or whatnot. Um, but just because it's like just so important right now, just to support not just local, but like Canadian businesses, mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that people have been really like focusing on, especially over the holiday season, um, which I love to see because I think that's so cool. Like people in your own backyard making these incredible products. Like you don't need to find mm-hmm. stuff from the States or stuff from wherever. Um, there's great stuff right in Canada. So I really like that from a personal standpoint. But I guess because I'm, you know, a broke recent grad who's entrepreneurial um, and like I said, I don't really have a lot of access to capital. You Mm -hmm. saved like uh, $20,000 to start this Mm -hmm. company, I guess. So how did you initially like utilize these funds and and get started? Like, was there a priority on like more so on uh, like a quality product or like, did you want to try to like invest it in like marketing or uh, like, how did you start with that capital?
1: Yeah. So I basically sold my car. (laughs) That's how I got the money. Um, And start to live on like at the time they had these little smart cars you could rent in Toronto by like the hour. Um, So I have a really funny story about picking up my first production run in a smart car. Oh my God. was ridiculous at the time they're not really supposed to go on highways but I did it um but yeah so I, I sold my car I took that money and you know a lot of it went into um just the product development you know that that because I'm not a fashion designer I had to find somebody to help me with some of this stuff mm-hmm. as well obviously purchasing the materials to make the product you have to pay up front and then finding the manufacturer um you know a big chunk of it was spent on the website although nowadays it's so much easier to just like DIY a website. Mm-hmm. Um, I did invest a little bit in like photos and videos. So I knew it was super important to have like how-to videos and to explain the product and show people how they can do the different looks. Cause it was quite complex. Yeah. Um, true. so. So I did that as well. And then I would say the rest of it I spent on like a PR firm. So I had hired a PR firm pretty early on to help me launch the product because I I knew it was quite unique. I'd done a lot of research and discovered that there was really nobody doing it like that. So Mm -hmm. I thought I could have a really big impact by just getting it out there with some news media outlets as well.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's really important and I think people really underestimate uh the amount of investment that really does need to go into PR because mm. uh especially nowadays like everything is kind of centered around like hearsay and like mm-hmm. obviously like knowing what's in and like social media and stuff and I guess that wouldn't have been as much at that time but mm-hmm. uh, right now it's like so crazy how social media can can really just be a huge part of it I feel like whenever I see a, a brand and they don't have a social media I'm like oh my it might not be real I don't know yeah. if they're even
1: like a real company so yeah. or like if the credibility they do ability have- thing for sure for it's sure. interesting yeah. Cause marketing channels have changed so much, even since mm-hmm. I've had this brand, like, you know, in 2013, maybe it was 2013. We worked with our first influencer okay. and back in that time, like influencers weren't really that big there were well I mean they're big but they were like few and far between like there weren't very many people doing it so we worked with this really prominent travel blogger and she posted about our our garment and literally like I think we paid her $499 which was like the most I've ever spent on anything for like marketing so I was so (laughs) nervous and then we got like something like $30,000 in sales like overnight it was crazy and nowadays you would never get that because influencer marketing is so saturated and it requires such a different approach So it's really interesting how the channels kind of morph and they're still important, but just the approach and how you utilize them in your business just changes a lot.
0: For sure. Yeah. That's so funny. Oh my God. I, I remember when I first had Instagram, like it would have been like, I don't know, 20, 15 or something like that obviously mm-hmm. in like high school mm-hmm. <laughs> um and like yeah you're right like there was like influencers but it was like kylie and kendall like and then yeah. a couple like people from canada maybe here or something like that mm-hmm. so yeah it is so interesting like how saturated it is now but what kind of made you expand into other clothing like at what point did you kind of so like i've got like a good brand here like what else can i do with this
1: Mhm. So a lot of our product initial product ideas were just driven by again, like that pain point, like something I couldn't find that I was finding frustrating. So our second product was this top called the Evolve top. And it's basically got little hidden snaps in the sleeve. So you can change the sleeve length and you can wear it backwards or forwards. So you get like basically eight looks out of it and it's totally work appropriate. Like you could, but you could also wear it off the shoulder with like leggings and it would look really cute. So that became a, really big product. Cause again, I was still working. So I was like, well, it'd be really cool if I had a top where I could like reverse it and nobody would know that I'm like wearing the same top <laughs> and I can travel super light. So, you know, that was our second product. And probably our third product was our dressy sweatpants, which is still one of our best sellers today. And that was born out of, you know, frustration again. Like I was sitting on a plane to Brazil for a client meeting for 11 hours and these like, polyester pants. And I was just oh. like, this is the worst <laughs> <laughs> feeling ever. like you feel like you, you can't breathe. The fabric feels awful against your skin. You know, you get a muffin top, even though you don't even have one, it like mm. gives you one. Um, so I decided I was like, why can't there just be like dress pants that feel like sweatpants? And then literally mm. just started to figure out how to make that actually happen. So every kind of product had like, I went pretty slow versus I would say a lot of brands nowadays come out and they've got like a lot of products, but I started kind of one by one and just speaking to consumers too. So speaking to my actual customer and seeing like who they are and what they need to mm-hmm. and designing for them specifically. Yeah.
0: No. And I think that like really comes through because like all of your products are so uh, like, they just make sense. Like it just makes sense mm-hmm. to me, like why you'd have that. And like, obviously so like, I feel like they will be do really well, I guess, as we kind of enter back into the workplace when people, I think like my personal opinion, I guess um, dress codes might kind of um, Mm -hmm. diminish at this point. So I think that that's so cool that like, you know, you can still look good. It doesn't mean you don't, you have to look slobby or whatever, but like you can actually be comfortable at work uh, because that was all that drove me crazy all my summers that I would spend in an office and like, you're just so uncomfortable. Like, how can you even focus on your work or like on what people are saying at a meeting when you're like, can't even breathe through the shirt that you're wearing.
1: Mm -hmm. Totally, totally a lot of work where it was designed with like synthetic fabrics and it's just restricting feeling mm-hmm. and you can't be your like most confident and focus and feel your best when you're like uncomfortable in your clothing like mm-hmm. it's just not it's not a good distraction so we per, we totally believe in that intersection now we've evolved from that like multi-way kind of travel blend although we still have some like really versatile products but really about that idea of like that transition like day to night work to weekend like home to work like you can wear our pc anywhere. It's Mm -hmm. really all about just using really beautiful fabrics, luxurious finishes and making them really stylish so that nobody has to know that you're wearing sweatpants.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. That's my like big thing. It's like, I want to be comfy, but like, I can't like also do good work unless I look good. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's so important to me. So I'm so glad that you guys do that. Um, so you guys kind of have like a bit of a, like, I don't want to say it's your tagline, but it's kind of something um, that you've mentioned before. It's like the antidote to fast fashion. So Mm -hmm. kind of like, what does this mean? I know we all know what fast fashion is, um, Mm -hmm. but like, what kind of like goal is this kind of statement?
1: Yeah. So our vision is basically to make fast fashion obsolete. And Mm -hmm. that's a pretty ambitious goal given Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. amount of power and money that is in fast fashion. Like I would say they own the majority of the market share in the apparel industry between probably like Asara and H&M and all those brands, Mm -hmm. um, Joe Fresh, et cetera. And basically we want to slow fashion down. So we call ourselves a slow fashion brand, which essentially that means that we, we take a really thoughtful and intentional approach to not only how we design products, but also how we develop our collections, how we source our fabrics, where we make things like we're producing to effectively to demand. We try to get as close to that as possible versus overproducing and then Mm -hmm. having to mark down like hundreds and thousands of items every day. So we really want to shift the fashion industry back to thinking that idea that less is more and fewer, but better Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: it's actually swung way too much. I think in the other way to the point that like people don't value their clothing as much anymore as they used to. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of that idea that like, the more I have, the better. And, you know, that leads to people the popularity of fast fashion brands because they can make it super cheaply, but at what cost? It's usually Mm -hmm. a huge environmental cost because a lot of this, a lot of the products that come from these brands are made in, well, horrible working conditions for people, but also they're dumping dyes in rivers. You know, they've been alleged to burn clothes that they've made too much of and stuff like that. So there's a lot of like really heavy environmental impacts. And then also Mm -hmm. the human impact, because at the end of the day, know, the apparel manufacturing industry is still largely handmade. There's not a lot of innovation there. So if somebody is actually innovating to create like a $12 t-shirt, they're actually probably cutting out costs of manufacturing, which means paying people less or not paying people at all. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, we really need to shift that because I just don't think the pace at which we're moving with fast fashion is sustainable. And I think people are generally getting tired of it. Like Mm -hmm. definitely your generation is starting to know, like, it's not okay to like, it doesn't feel good. Good to shop at a brand that doesn't value people and doesn't align with your values. So mm-hmm. we really want to have people kind of take that pause and really think more about what they buy and who made their clothes.
0: Mm-hmm. I really hope to see this.
1: I'm obviously, I think everyone's been
0: guilty of like fast fashion in like mm-hmm. the past or the present or whatever, but it is just like on a personal level, like It's actually gross, like to look at my own closet, my sister's closet, my friends' closets. And like there's just so much. And like we wore this stuff like twice or three times. And like you say you're like, this is your favorite thing, and like you'll never like get old tired of it. But like you do. And like it's just so gross to even look at like just overconsumption Mm -hmm. at all. So I, I think that's like starting to get to people like myself like I was like always like oh I need the trendiest thing and I need the new this or the new like how do they get from the runway to um all these stores like in like two weeks like that's just so alarming and I don't know if people really think of it that way um yeah yeah, it's just kind of getting to like a gross extent um and Mm -hmm. I think a, a huge part of this is like the increase um I've I've seen over the pandemic of um like online or like internet mm-hmm. thrift shopping, and yeah. like I think that that's like a huge speaking point to like the fact that people really do want to be sustainable and like do want quality pieces. Um, so I think you're really hitting the the right time with this. Um, I think you um, can finally, finally do better. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sustainability and ethics. This is so good. But... <laughs> I know. Yeah. It does really feel better. Like like honestly, yeah. like some people just like love the consumption and ordering new things all the time, but it does really feel better when, you know, you can like put something in the wash and it's not going to disintegrate or like, you know, like stuff like that. Like it just feels so much better. Um, But with that being said, like, how do you, as a company, like, how would you certify yourself as being sustainable or like, what does that entail to be able to make that claim? Mm
1: -hmm. So the difficult thing is that like pretty much anybody can make that claim. So Mm. that is where you get into a lot of like greenwashing and stuff like that, which has become more prevalent. Um, Originally it was prevalent in like the beauty and like that food space, I would say more so, but they have a lot more regulations now around packaging requirements, even though I would argue that they're still pretty sneaky about what they can and cannot say. Um, But the clothing industry is not, as regulated. So it's really just about making claims that you can back up, which can be an open space for greenwashing or ethic washing. So for us, it was really important to actually get ourselves certified. So mm-hmm. we became a certified B Corp in 2018, which is essentially, it's a, run by a not-for-profit um, in the States. And they certify companies They go through, you go through this massive audit where they look at your processes, your people, how you pay employees, how you pay contractors, who you um, spend your money with, like what certifications your fabrics have, you know, what materials you're using. All like wow. it really runs the gamut. It's like a real 300 360 degree assessment on your brand. Mm-hmm. And then you, you ideally get certified. They assess you and they give you improvement opportunities and then you get certified. So that for us was really important, not just to be able to make the ethical claims, but to have the credibility, which is something you talked about earlier mm-hmm. to back them up. Um, there's other like really famous brands who are B Corps, such as Warby Parker, Ben and Jerry's ice cream, Eileen Fisher, um, you know, some really great brands out there that are doing great things in the world, but essentially as a certified B Corp, we have actually put in our corporate documents that, you know, we plan to use this business as a force for good in the world. So it really takes us up a level higher than people just out there saying this is sustainable because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people out there saying stuff like, Oh, this jogger set is sustainable because it's made out of hundred percent cotton. And I'm like, that doesn't necessarily make it sustainable Cotton's no. a natural fabric, but it's not necessarily sustainable um, mm-hmm. because it actually uses a lot of water to produce like just a, a yard of cotton. So mm-hmm. um, it's really important for us to be authentic and genuine with our sustainability claims. So pursuing that certification was really important to just give us that credibility and and also help us learn how we can do better as a brand as well. For sure. Yeah. I think that's so cool and so important. I didn't actually know about that
0: before. So that's really interesting. And I will be sure to keep my eyes out for that more. Um, That reminds me of like when you say like uh they use cotton to make like a jogger set let's Mm say um it's like when like drinks or like I'm thinking specifically of like alcoholic coolers like they're like Mm -hmm. oh we used cane sugar it's like Mm -hmm. "Mm, still sugar (laughs) so like yeah that's like the same thing (laughs) but like it's not any healthier for you but like some people just like sop that right up like they just love that like oh it's so healthy and like natural and like no like you need to like think about the sense
1: you just said you know yeah, um I'm- consumers are smart. Like you Mm -hmm. guys know when you read a label, what, what it is now that we can Google everything, it's, Mm. you know, a portal to education, but it's still, there's still a lot of misconceptions and myths amongst food amongst, um, you know, like I have a dog and dog food, you can like label as like organic, if it has like something like 5% organic ingredients, which is really misleading, Mm -hmm. I think. So, you know, I would like to see more regulation in the fashion industry because I think it would just help consumers as well as help the industry and probably all ultimately the planet as well.
0: For sure. Yeah. Speaking of like, you know, the world and, and how we're living right now, mm-hmm. um, how has like the pandemic affected your business? Like I would imagine for a company, you guys have like loungewear. So I, I've seen like a lot of companies that haven't really been in that space before kind of pivoting to that area. Um, so I'd imagine you're still doing okay, but how have you kind of pivoted as they say?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's been a bit of a roll like 2020 was a roller coaster of a year for a lot mm-hmm. of people. And I think we were very lucky to end on the upside of that roller coaster, but definitely mm-hmm. had our moments where we were like, it was very scary because yeah. at the beginning of the pandemic, our entire supply chain shut down. Oh. So we weren't able to make product. Um And because we're such a small brand and we produce locally as well, we run on very low levels of inventory because Mm -hmm. it's just so easy for us to turn product really quickly here. And, you know, after like three months of the shutdown, we almost ran out of product. And once you don't have product, you can't sell anything. Yeah. Um, you can't make any money and you can't pay your staff. So it. we decided to make fairly early on in the pandemic around mid-March, we started to make non-medical face masks. And we became one of the first brands in Toronto doing that um, because we had that supply chain here already set up to make them. And that became a really big impact on the brand and basically carried us through into the summer when manufacturing was able to reopen. So Mm -hmm. we actually ended the year up double digits in growth versus 2019, if you can believe that. And we're hiring people. We're bringing on like, I think in between um, December and now we're bringing on like five people um, Mm -hmm. in our business. So we're experiencing a lot of growth and not just because of the loungewear, that's definitely part of it, but Mm some of the stuff you alluded to earlier as well, like there's definitely a revival and an interest in shopping local and sustainability and supporting, you know, we're part of a program called Ontario Made that's being sponsored by the provincial government. And, you know, there's just a lot of momentum behind supporting these types of businesses. And I think Mm -hmm. we've been able to capture that and and benefit from it, which is really good.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And I know like face masks have become you know, a a huge, a huge thing. Um, which, you know, it's so funny to think about like a year ago, if you would say like, I referenced, um, we were talking the other day, I was like, oh, I just got this really nice face mask and everyone kind of looked at me like in my family. (laughs) They're like, that is just such a weird sentence because like, why are we like coordinating our face masks for outfits? Like who would have thought that would like be a thing, but, um, that's just like such a cool way, uh, that so many companies are like pivoting. And I think that's so interesting. Um, but obviously congratulations, that's such a good year um, despite all things. Yeah. So I guess that's perfect segue. Um, What is kind of like the future looking like for Encircled? Like, are we going to see obviously at your speed um, new products or like, are there going to be some like remixes of like current favorite? What what does that kind of like look like?
1: Yeah. I mean, we're just trying to focus in on what we really do best. So Mm. we try to really give customers like a wardrobe that does it up all is what we say. So the idea that you can kind of, you can have it all. You don't have to compromise on quality for price. You don't have to um, compromise on your ethics or sustainability values um, or comfort or style. Like we try to encompass everything into our product. So like the fair jogger set that you have, you know, mm-hmm. that's definitely one of our more like loungiest loungewear pieces, but mm-hmm. our true zone of genius is really that intersection between comfort and style. So we've got a bunch of pieces, like I talked about the dressy sweatpants, but we we just brought back and started. our comfy dress shirt, which is like a gorgeous long sleeve top that has like elegant pleating, but it's made from fabric that feels like pajamas. Mm -hmm. So this is really our kind of secret sauce. It's that idea of like the dress up, dress down, but super comfortable. Mm -hmm. So we're just kind of falling along that line. So we have our dressy sweatpants actually coming out in a new fabric that we've never used before. It's a bamboo rib. So that's very, very exciting. Um, And then we're just starting to create more and more products. We're going to get into some sweatpants sweater nets, you know, sustainable sweater nets, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um and we're gonna tackle the challenge of a bodysuit and doing it differently at some point in Q1 um, and making it more comfortable. And yeah. And then we've got some interesting kind of take on our jogger set coming in, you know, the springtime and switching fabrics and going even more sustainable. We're looking at a fabric called Tencel, which is like completely closed loop. So it uses very little water Um, and we're going to do like a French terry. So it's going to be really beautiful and it's going to have lots of like palettes of like lavender and lots of fun colors like that. So we've got lots of great stuff coming. And I think one of the benefits of being alone and building a manufacturing business in Canada is that if you are making stuff locally, you can do it really quickly. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those brands that you see coming out with lingerie now, like, because they're overseas, they had to plan it like 12 months in advance. Like they, they just probably started planning it in the the pandemic and they're getting it now, you know, (laughs) when you make stuff locally, you know, we can get our product done in like four to six weeks. So, so yeah, we're really excited. We've got some great stuff coming and just more comfortable, stylish pieces that you can wear every day. That's so exciting.
0: I always think like um, it definitely like your products are not like cheap and that's good because I like to make an investment in my products, but I always think of them as like like Lululemon for like work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. I want to like, wear like, if I'm going to like wear Lululemon, I'm going to the gym, like whatever. But like, I, if I'm like wanting to work and I want the same comfort and like uh price point and all that stuff, like I just equate it, like encircle Lululemon. Like they're just like my two go-tos, um, which I don't know, speaks my fashion sense, I guess. <laughs> um, and like just simple, uh, which is always nice. Like I love like being comfortable. Like I said, but not compromising, uh, mm-hmm. fashion. So I think that's perfect. Um, and I'm so excited that you just mentioned a bodysuit cause I love yeah. bodysuits. <laughs> um, that's so exciting. Um, so I guess switching more to yourself, uh, what is kind of like the future for you? I know you have a podcast, um, mm-hmm. that I like to listen to, um, personally, but what is kind of in store for you yourself? <laughs>
1: Yeah. So I guess 2020 was like, even though it ended on a really high note, I think it was a hard year for me personally, just because of all Mm -hmm. the ups and downs and, you know, working a lot. And we had a lot of team changes and stuff like that. So, you know, our team is awesome and they did so amazingly well with what we had. But my goal in 2021 is to hire some more senior people at our company so that I don't have to work as much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It would be nice to not work on weekends, every weekend. So I would like to have kind of a little bit more downtime and to focus on myself. And I love doing my podcast, Brave and Boss, um, just because I get a lot of early stage entrepreneurs asking me for advice. And I just, I don't really have a lot of free time. So I just figured, you know, why not give them some advice in podcast episodes? So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to continue with the podcast. I also have um, a bunch of online courses, which I'm going to be like relaunching uh, for entrepreneurs in the first quarter. And then hopefully, eventually, fingers crossed this year, maybe in the fall, we'll be able to travel again at some point. So Mm, I'd like to actually take a vacation Mm, outside of the Wouldn't that be nice?
0: Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, Yeah. Let's hope, I guess. Um, That's really exciting though. Yeah. And I always for any female like entrepreneurs I guess male too but definitely females um your podcast is so great like it's just like really breaks things down so nicely so I'm glad that you'll be continuing with that um because that's so like I feel like sometimes um it's tough to find information uh so Mm -hmm. when it's all in one place it just makes it so much easier (laughs) and obviously you have experience too which is great
1: yeah, well, thank you for listening. I'm
0: fostered. Yeah, of course, I'm such a podcast junkie. So um, I try to listen to anything, but I really do enjoy it. Um, so it has been great talking to you, but I always finish my episodes with um, rapid fire questions that are about you. So they're pretty easy, I would say. Um, so whenever you're ready, we can go. Okay, let's go. All right. Uh, the first one that I always ask is if you could hang with any five people, who would it be?
1: Oh my God. Five people. <laughs> oh my God. I know we I haven't seen people in a while. Well, <laughs> I say oh my gosh. Any five people, they don't have to be famous. I would probably pick my friends right now because oh, I would yes. probably just pick five of my friends because, you know, I just haven't really been able to hang out with any of them really in real life for a really, mm-hmm. really long time. Mm-hmm. I know it's been so hard. Um, I heard
0: someone say this on a podcast last week, uh, that like, it's like, you can see one friend or whatever, but like, Mm -hmm. I just am like looking so forward to seeing like every single friend I want to hang out with at one time. Like that will be so nice. (laughs) Like you can just like, if you want to hang out with like literally every friend, you could just have them all over. Like that'll be so nice.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So definitely that for sure. Just any and all my friends would be on that list for sure. Oh, that's so cute. Um, I don't know if you're a big binger, but if you are, what show are you binging right now? (laughs) Um, right now I'm binging the morning show. Oh, oh my God. So good. So Jennifer. good. Yeah.
0: Yes. Oh my God. I love that show. I actually wish I like hadn't watched it so I could watch it again.
1: Oh no. I'm only, so I just good. started. So I'm on three.
0: So I'm okay, mm. <laughs> It's really good. I really like awesome. it. And I always forgot until I recently watched an episode of friends where Reese Witherspoon was on friends. So I like forgot oh, wow. they knew each other. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's like a fun throwback, but yeah. So, oh my God, it's so good. You will love it. It's, um, it only gets better really from the first episode. Yeah, really. (laughs) I think we watched it, me and my sister, like the first week it came out or whatever, like it came out on a weekly basis at the start. Yeah. Like you'd have to wait every week to get one more episode, but yeah. Oh my gosh. I would freak out. I wouldn't be
1: able to wait. (laughs) 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 No, It's so good. good.
0: Yeah. And there's like all the best people in it too. So it's so good. Um, okay, next question. I know there's been a lot of negative outcomes uh, from COVID-19, but what has been your favorite positive outcome?
1: Honestly, that I, I get to hang out with my dog every day. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, That's so Working awesome. from home. I actually like working from home. I don't mind it. Um, I think it's definitely changed my mind about how an office can and should be structured. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not the right thing all the time for sure, but it's been nice to just be able to chill out with her and have a little bit more ease in my day.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Um, it, it, I honestly do really like working from home, uh, like probably eight days out of 10. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's good. And then those other two, you're like, Oh my God, got me out of here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, next question. What is like a book you would recommend to like anyone?
1: Um, probably the book I would recommend the most is The Desire Map by Danielle Laporte. It's all about like setting intentions and goals around your feelings versus like actual tangible goals. So like, instead of like, I want to earn this much money, so that I can get like a Range Rover or whatever, you would sit down and say, okay, like what feelings do I really want to go after? Like, do I want to go after abundance? Do I want to feel more generous? Do I want to feel, you know, happy? What does that mean to me? And it's just a like great book to take you down that path of inquiry. Cause I feel like oftentimes, especially people who are super type A, which I am like, I'll set goals and then you achieve them and you're like, Oh, That doesn't even feel like, I don't feel excited for it. And you're like, Mm -hmm. why is that? Um, And it's because it's not even what you were actually going after usually. So definitely that book, Um, it's a quick and easy read and it has like a lot of like prompts for journaling. So I highly recommend to anybody, even people who don't want to start a business. Oh, that sounds really good. I really like that. Okay, I'll look into that one. And last
0: question, what is your biggest pet peeve? Um, Hmm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's a that's a great hot seat question I would say (laughs) smoking kind of came up to me Uh, when I thought that initially people uh, who smoke um around me for sure like when people smoke on balconies and stuff like that I just find it really gross I don't know Mm -hmm. I'm just I'm not into smoking and whatever people want to do in their own home is fine but like just smoking cigarettes around me it just that smell of cigarette smoke just really grosses me out
0: Oh, I couldn't agree more. I like couldn't care less if you want to smoke, like your own problem, like whatever you do you, but like, don't even come near me. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's so gross. Mm -hmm. Me and my sister are like hyper dramatic about it. Um, Mm -hmm. Just because we didn't have like people around us really that smoked. And my sister like literally is so dramatic. Like she'll like cough. Like if someone's around us smoking, I'm like, you need to stop
1: doing that because it's so embarrassing. But (laughs) yeah. Um. It's yeah, honestly, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. (laughs) I mean, it's not that long ago where they allowed people to like smoke on planes. Like I wasn't alive when that happened, but I was alive when you could smoke in bars. Oh
0: my God. In restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. We would go to like the States for hockey tournaments when we were young. And like, when I was young, it had already sort of like, you couldn't smoke inside anymore, Mm -hmm. but we would go to like Pittsburgh. I can vividly remember. And like, we're in the. Restaurant, like having lunch, and people are smoking beside us. We're like, yeah, what? <laughs> Looking at our parents, like, what is happening? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that one though. Um, so it has been so great to talk to you, and obviously, like just such great information. Um, and
1: nice to hang out with you. So, thank you so much, Christy. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a fun chat. <laughs> i'm
0: alia ballas and you have been listening to can't hang thank you so much for tuning in if you loved today's show please subscribe and don't forget to leave a rating and a review visit canhang.simplecast.com to check out all the incredible people i've interviewed and who's coming soon Much love goes out to all those who have been posting about can't hang on social. Please tag me in your posts at can't hang pod. And please continue to send me suggestions of who you'd love to see in future episodes. I have an incredible lineup, but I'm always looking for people outside my bubble. Please tune in next Thursday and hang with me and my next guest. This show is produced by me, Alia Ballas and the music was created by Kwan.